Father, thank you for your faithfulness to your promises, to the fulfillment of everything that you said you would do, and to the hope that we can have as we look forward that you are still working your purposes out today and one day forever. Father, whatever we're uh, feeling this week, whatever we bring with us this morning in our hearts and our minds, Lord, would you enable us to be open to what you're saying through your living and active word? Would your spirit take those inspired words and speak into our hearts and lives? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's a danger when something very significant happens, such as the death of a monarch after a 70-year rule. The danger uh, for preaching it is that we end up shoehorning the events of this week into the passage that we're going to look at, try to relate, find points of connection that aren't really there, and end up doing justice to neither, neither the events of what happened or actually what this bit of the Bible is trying to say. But having said that, I am going to do it anyway. Um, because I think, I think, I genuinely think there is a, a really helpful illustration from some of what we know about the Queen's life and service. And, and in no way, of course, was she perfect. She, I'm sure, would have been the first to admit. But actually, there are some things about who she was and what she gave her life to, which will help to illustrate uh, this passage. Uh, there's a number of ways I think we could have taken that. We could have found a connection perhaps in the way that God uh, sets people apart to serve him, uh, particularly in terms of leading others. So we could have looked at the parallel between the queen being born into the royal family uh, and then the route by which she ended up uh, taking the crown at quite a young age and hence 70 years. Uh, and we could have contrasted that with Moses uh, and the way that God set him apart in order to rise up him, rise him up to be the leader of the Israelites on their journey out of Egypt towards the promised land. But that's not the angle I particularly want to take. But I do think there is an illustration here with the Queen in terms of how we see God's hand at work, God's hidden hand achieving God's good purposes. God's hidden hand at work achieving God's good purposes throughout this passage at the early stages of Exodus and the birth of Moses. But I think we can also see that in the life and the service of the queen. Although actually she was uh, very upfront about her faith in Jesus. It wasn't a hidden hand in that sense. She was very upfront about her faith. She talked about Jesus and uh, what she believed a lot. I uh, saw one comment this week that thanked her that she uh, talked about Jesus more than some bishops, um, but there we go. <laughs> but actually behind the scenes, in her life, you can see how God was working his purposes out, even though perhaps at the time it wasn't always obvious. And how God used the queen, uh, a strong but humble woman, in a way uh, that perhaps she never even expected. And we're going to see that in this passage in Exodus chapter 2. Now, if you weren't here last week or you can't remember much beyond about three days ago, which no one will blame you for, Exodus begins with the Israelites in Egypt. 400 years before, Joseph and his brothers have come, and Joseph's had a prominent position in Egypt. But over time, the Israelites have grown. They've gone from being just a family into becoming a people, just as God had promised. But this has caused some problems as well. And the Pharaoh of the day is beginning to really persecute the Israelites. 
He's making their work much harder. They're restricting the materials that they're giving them to work, but insisting that they have the same output. And then, worse than that even, uh, a law goes out that the newborn sons of the Hebrews are to be thrown into the Nile to be drowned. They are suffering this terrible persecution. And yet again, it begins to call into question those promises that were made to their ancestor Abraham. God said to Abraham, picked Abraham out and said, through you and your offspring, I am going to bring a blessing to the world. They will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the beach. But if a pharaoh comes along and kills off all the young boys, how will that people grow? And so we're going to see here, as God begins to act in the life of Moses and those around him and through those around him, how God is working his good purposes out. The hidden hand of God is working out God's good purposes. So come with me uh, into this story. And time and time again, we're going to see that. We're not going to hear God's name mentioned. You'll notice that. Look out for it. We're not going to hear God did this or God said that. But it's so evident that God is working behind the scenes to achieve what God has set out to do. So a man of the tribe of Levi marries a Levite woman. Uh, And there's a bit of detail there. And whenever the Bible gives us some detail, you've got to know it's there for a reason. The Levite tribe was the tribe from which the priests were drawn amongst the Hebrews. It's going to be. And so it's significant that Moses' parents are both Levites. And this lady becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, remember, at a time when the Hebrew boys are going to be killed by Pharaoh's orders. But she sees he's a fine child, and she hides him for three months. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard a baby. If you ever walk past the vicarage about 7 p.m. any evening, I guarantee you, you can hear, well, toddler now, but for the last two years, you would have heard a baby crying. Our ears are tuned to hear the pitch of a baby crying. That's why it cuts through so much of that other noise. It's because our ears are specially designed to pick up on it. It's annoying, isn't it? It pierces through other sounds so we can hear them and attend to them. I think it's pretty hard to hide a baby crying for three minutes. Imagine trying to hide that baby for three months at a time when the authorities around you are specifically on the lookout for newborn baby boys. It's a miracle. God's hidden hand at work, achieving God's good purposes. For three months, they managed to hide this baby boy at great risk, great courage it took to do that. But after a while, he gets too big, And they can't hide him anymore. And so uh, the boy's mother gets a papyrus basket, coats it to make it waterproof, and places the child in the basket and puts it among the reeds on the bank of the River Nile. We're not given any detail about how this new mum, presumably this young mum, felt about having to make the most horrific choice. Do I keep my baby boy and risk him being killed? Or do I completely trust him to God 
and put him in the river, but in a basket. In an ark, in fact, is the word. And so a choice that no parent would ever, ever have to make. And in that difficult and dark moment, she trusts in God and places her baby in the basket in the river. The boy's sister is, is there, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. It must have been an absolutely horrendous situation. It's very easy to read it and just go on to the next part of the story, but if that was us, if that was anybody in that situation, just how hard that must have been. We don't want to gloss over that. And yet, even in there, in the pain of that decision and the challenge of what she felt she had to do, God's hidden hand at work, achieving God's good purposes. Because what happens next? Well, Pharaoh's daughter goes down to the river to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and they just so happened to go to the point where they can hear the baby. It just so happens that they pick that spot on the Nile, on that particular day, at that particular moment, the one person who could have both the compassion and the opportunity to save that baby boy. If it had been uh, a Hebrew, they would have had no other choice as well. If it had been another Egyptian, they would have been risking their whole family's life to take a Hebrew boy in. It had to be someone close enough to the Pharaoh that they could get away with it, but someone who would have compassion on this baby floating in the riverbank. And so that is who it is. The daughter of the Pharaoh, who unlike the Pharaoh, has a soft heart towards this baby. Unlike the Pharaoh, when she realizes who it is and it's crying, we're told that she felt sorry for him. She had compassion on him, unlike the Pharaoh. And she knows exactly who it is. This is one of the Hebrews' babies, she said. In the whole way that this has come about, you can see God's hidden hand at work, achieving God's good purposes. And then what happens? The plucky sister speaks up. Some of us will probably have older siblings. I don't. I'm an oldest sibling. Some of you will have an older sibling. And you might have stories to tell of how your older sibling stood up for you when you were little or maybe still stands up for you today. It's a wonderful thing. What a gift to have siblings or friends who are effectively siblings who will stand up for us, look out for us, and I hope those who don't have siblings have friends in those kind of positions. I hope you can see your church family in that sense. And I know we're not always perfect at it, but wouldn't that be a great thing to want to be as a church like siblings who look out for each other just like this little boy's sister is there watching out for him, checking what's going to happen, seeing if he's going to be all right, and being bold enough and courageous enough to speak to Pharaoh's daughter, and this is what she says. Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Of course, it's a sad reason 
why there are so many Hebrew women who could have done that. But the sister's got a plan. And yes, go, Pharaoh's daughter says. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. You see how the whole thing has gone full circle. From having to make that horrible decision to put her baby in the basket in the Nile by God's hidden hand, this baby has not only been kept safe, but that baby has come back to her and now, get this, mums and dads, she's being paid to look after her own child. God's hidden hand at work, achieving God's good purposes. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now this boy, a Hebrew, raised in part amongst his brothers and sisters, aware of his ancestry, no doubt aware of the promises made to his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and so on, aware of his heritage, aware of who he is, also has the opportunity to experience something of Egyptian culture and leadership and learning and training and all of those things as well, so that this baby boy is exactly placed to be used by God to bring his people out of slavery. God's hidden hand at work, achieving God's good purposes. Now, as the story goes on, things are going to get an awful lot more dramatic. We will hear God said and God did. There'll be some big things going on that are clearly attributed to God. God is even going to speak to Moses from the burning bush. He's going to give him his name. He's going to lead the people in a fiery pillar of cloud. He's going to send the plagues on Egypt until Pharaoh agrees to let them go. He's going to part the Red Sea so they can make their escape. God is going to do dramatic, extraordinary things which is amazing and wonderful, and it had to happen in order for God to fulfill his purposes. But I wonder if it's this passage, which for us is actually more relatable. There are times when God still does the dramatic, the big, the undeniable. There are. But most of the time our experiences... Christians, as believers in God, as followers of Jesus, is actually going to be an awful lot more like Exodus chapter 2. That in the midst of the things that are going on in our life, it will be God's hidden hand at work, achieving God's purposes. I'm sorry to say that he's probably not going to write the answer to your questions in the clouds in the sky. But he does promise to send you his spirit to give you the wisdom to make choices that are faithful to who he calls us to be. It is often God's hidden hand at work, often only seen after the event, that will be our experience of trying to follow faithfully this God who is working his purposes out. Often when we don't even realize that it's God who's at work or that God is even there. There's another great story that's come out uh, about the Queen, which illustrates that for us. You may have seen it. It's a wonderful clip. Do go and look it up if you haven't. There's a, a man who tells a story who was one of the Queen's assistants, 
And they were up uh, where she liked to be in Scotland, where she eventually died, around Balmoral. And they're going for a walk across the land, and he's the only person with her. And they meet a pair of American tourists. You may have heard him tell this story. And these tourists don't recognize who the queen is. They just think it's two people out for a walk in the Scottish hillsides. And they start chatting, and they chat to her perfectly normally because they've got no idea. And at one point in the conversation, as they're talking about her being there all the time, they ask the queen, have you ever met the queen? And she says, straight-faced, no, but he has. Sometimes we don't see what's right there in front of us. Oftentimes in life, God will be working his purposes out and we won't even be aware of it. We'll feel like we're just being tossed and turned by the waves that come and the good times, the bad times, all the times in between, the complexities of life carrying us along. And we won't always be aware that actually through the storm and through the stillness, God is at work to steer us along the route that one day his purposes will be fulfilled. We'll be with him. We'll share in that eternal life by his grace when we put our trust in him. That he will be with us as he promises to be. It won't always be, in fact, it will very rarely be like a big pillar, a cloud of fire. But it will be that settled, calm assurance that the same God who kept his promise to Moses and the Israelites keeps his promise to us when we put our trust in him. God's hidden hand at work achieving his good purposes.